With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's go. FT Live. Off-season edition. Does that feel weird to say, Kratz, while AJ gets himself... Situated after an unfortunate spilling accident just seconds before the show began. No, it's awesome. I'm I'm getting ready for winter ball now. Like this mm. is this is where the grinders do the winners. They they're they're still drunk from last night, but I'm getting ready for winter ball. So hopefully you're not getting ready for instructs. That would suck. Look, winter <laughs> ball. Winter ball. Did you never go, AJ? No. Can you imagine them sending me to like the Dominican for six weeks? Oh baby. Yeah, it would be awesome. I would, would want a camera a on him. You would have loved it. You would have been having cocktails. I would have been La Flama Blanca like uh, Kenny Powers. <laughs> La Flama Blanca. <laughs> the white flame. <laughs> I thought that would have been great. One year. You should have done it just for the bucket list. Yes. No, the one year I actually was supposed to do it, I broke my handmate, so I didn't. I wasn't able to go. I, I would send any it. prospect catcher. That hasn't like really established himself. I would send them down to Dominican to play six, eight weeks. It would be. It is. It's awesome. Life changing. I'm down to do shows there. If one of our oh. awesome sponsors wants to send us down there, I'm down. It's fine. We can go. We can handle it. We'll do interviews and the whole deal. So anyway, let's charge the damn mound because we need to give it up for the Texas Rangers and give them all the love that we can. They are the World Series champions in the 63rd season of their existence as a franchise. If you go back to when they were the Washington Senators, AJ, all they needed to do was spend half a billion dollars on their infield, rebuild, sign Bruce Bochy, make moves at the trade deadline, and they could have done this a long time ago. Yeah, or had Nelson Cruz play a little deeper on a fly ball to right. I mean, or that, but, you know, one strike away, one strike away. But uh, (laughs) congratulations to the Texas Rangers. We talked about it last night on the postgame. Listen, I played for the Texas Rangers in 2013. Great organization. Still a lot of the same people are there from the front office people to the people behind the scenes that a lot of people outside of baseball don't know about. Rich Rice, John Blake, uh, Hoggy, the, the umpire's room guy who was our home clubhouse guy, Brandon, the clubhouse people. Uh, you know, all these guys were there. All these people were there. Uh, a great organization. They, they listen. They went out and got it. They went out. They spent the money. They made great trades. We we praised them at the trade deadline this year when they got Scherzer and they got uh, Montgomery and, and Aroldis Chapman. And listen, those guys came up huge for them. And guess what? For the first time ever, the the Rangers are World Series champions. And you know what? Good for them because they did it right. Chris Young and those boys did it right. They went out and got the right people, brought them in, spent money the right way. And boom, you get rewarded. So let's bring in a friend to help tell the story. Yes, we did a nice hearty 30 minutes on the game and on this team. Let's continue the conversation right now with Stadium's Russ Dorsey joining the party right now. So, Russ, what did you think of Game 5? What did you think of the way that the Rangers are built to win a World Series title this way? Yeah, Game 5, obviously, uh, for the Rangers – a great game, great game for just as a baseball fan, somebody who enjoys watching the game. 
the D-backs, even though they did not win the World Series, they were in every one of these games. And even I say you look at game four where, you know, the Rangers put up 10 runs um, in the first five innings. You're like, okay, they they were able to come back. They weren't just going to get blown out uh, in that game. But for the Rangers, you look at, and you guys mentioned it before you brought me on, $325 million on Corey Seager. You spent $175 million on, on Marcus Simeon two years after losing 100 games, and you say, you know what, we're not going to be this team. We're not going to be the team that loses for five, six years and tries to luck in the top five draft picks to get ourselves back in a position to potentially compete. We're going to go out. We're going to get guys who are proven winners, like a guy like a Corey Seager who was a World Series MVP with the Dodgers and 28 years old, right? Not a guy that we're going to overpay for when he's past 30. We're going to get a guy who we can grow into this next 10 years of his career in his peak years. Marcus Simeon, we're going to get this guy who's a, a leader in that room, uh, a guy who goes out there and goes about his business. We're going to bring in the best manager available in Bruce Bochy and tell him, hey, we want you to come out of retirement, but we wouldn't ask you to do this if we didn't think you could do it right now. So credit to not only Chris Young, but John Daniels for being the guy who was really behind building this thing as well. And Chris Young pointed that out in his postgame um, interview on the on the podium last night. And so I think when you look at the Texas Rangers and what they were able to do this season, I think they silenced a lot of the people that went out there and said during the year, see, spending all that money, it, it's not really helpful. Look at the Mets. Look at the Padres. This is a team that said, hey, we're not going to do that long rebuild thing. We're going to put our money where our mouth is, literally. And we're going to build a winner. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You mentioned so many people. Who is the true MVP? Front office ownership. Is it Bochi? Is it a player? Who is the true MVP? Why they are hoisting the trophy today? I'm going to say when you have an ownership group that says we're going to spend in this day and age in baseball, I think that's a really big deal. Because I think you have a lot of ownership groups that will literally punt and say, nah, we're good. We don't need a $300 million guy. We don't need a $250 million guy. And this was a team that <laughs> within 24 hours signed both Seager and Simeon. And I think for that fan base, very similar to what you know happens in Philly uh, with John Middleton, hey, are we going to win? be in the playoffs can we build a winner if we're going to be able to do all those different things then yes let's go ahead and do it and so good on the the rangers ownership group for making the commitment to winning to for not handcuffing their front office because i think you see that a lot as well where you have a, a a front office that wants to make the right decisions that wants to go out and spend because that's the way you can get back to contention but don't have the ability to do that because they don't get that blank check from their ownership groups. So now that the now that the rhetoric of no 200 I think it was 275 plus million dollar free agent has gone on to win a world series, 
Will we see a change? Will we see teams that don't spend say, hey, you know what? We have a five-year window of we want to win, we're going to spend, and then we're going to pull it back. Would that be a you, – you feel like that could be something that could be down the road for some teams? Yes. I think I still I, I to your point, like I still look at the Padres and I say, man, there's far too much talent here. And I know there's a lot going on there. And like, will they trade one? So Soto, will they not? Uh, what's the future of not only that team, but that front office, et cetera? Uh, they're they don't even have a manager yet. And so but I still look at that team on paper and I say, man, there's so much damn talent on this team. Uh, could that be a it does that, right? You look at the, the Philadelphia Phillies and what they've been able to do over the last couple of years. A team that was, you know, a game away from getting back to the World Series. And I think they're going to be back that same position next year. I think that's a team that's, you know, shown a, a model that works of, yes, you can spend money on marquee free agents and be competitive and continue to add. Um, it's not always going to go the way you expect it to. It's not always going to go the way it did for the Rangers this season. But when you give yourself as many opportunities as you can to have good players, not only good players, but great players on your team, you improve the likelihood that you can make it to a World Series. Russ, you, so, yes, you, to answer your question. Russ, you and Kratz were talking about all these MVPs and all, you know, who could be the MVP and who this and who's that. You guys mm -hmm. forgot two people. One, you forgot Will Smith, who's won three World Series with three different teams. So, if you want to win the World Series next year, you better sign Will Smith. And second of all, you guys forgot Creed. I mean, Creed? I mean, they said they were struggling. They brought in Creed. So, Russ, I want to know, do you know one Creed song other than Higher? No. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> no. And, and listen, and AJ, you know this well. Like, uh, Journey was your Creed in 05, yeah. right? Like, you could, right? you could walk around the city without hearing Journey. Um, and so, hey, whatever helps, whatever helps you get in that mode, shout out to Creed. They 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 got the reunion tour popping now, so it worked out for everybody. <laughs> hey, Creed, hey, Creed announced the reunion tour. The Rangers didn't lose a game after that. So I don't know, coincidence? Maybe not. You know, they went on the road. Rangers so. didn't lose on the road. I mean, there's a big deal. I tried to get on the Creed cruise. They live pretty close to me. I couldn't even get a cabin. It sold out in like seven minutes. So you know, Russ, if we maybe we should go on that cruise together, we could teach you some Creed songs. They got a cruise? Oh, believe it. Summer That's 99 cruise. They got two cruises. The first one sold out so fast, they got a second cruise. Good for Creed, man. <laughs> That's big time. <laughs> That's big time stuff. <laughs> uh, all right, so besides Will Smith signing, what, what's going to be the first big news story to break this offseason? Oh. Uh. I think it's going to be some of these these managerial hires, right? I, I know Craig Council is making the rounds, and I look at that, and and Kratzy, you know, uh, from being in Milwaukee, that's a guy that I consider one of the best managers in the big leagues, and there are some opportunities out there for him where you can get wine and dine, you can talk to different teams, and I was on a, doing a radio hit yesterday here in town, and an idea was thrown out there that could make some sense where – Maybe a team that already has a manager sees that Craig Council is not only available, but making the rounds. And you say, hey, if Craig Council could be our manager, maybe we do make a change right now and bring him in. Because, un 
you know, maybe a guy is off the table and you're like, ah, we're fine with the situation we have. But it's like, all right, if that guy's available, maybe we go do that. Like something that happened here in town a couple of years ago, you know, Ricky Renteria was the manager of the Chicago Cubs. All of a sudden, Joe Madden's available. And they say, Ricky, we appreciate the ser- your services and everything you've done. But if we can get Joe Madden here to Chicago, we're going to do that. Rest was history. So I think Craig Council's decision is, is one that I'm really interested to see. Uh, and then with, with player transactions, it's always weird because I think we've gone in the last decade from guy signing into November, into the winter meetings, and around Christmas to now. I don't think things are even going to get going until the winter meetings and then a little bit after. Um, I think the one that I'm really interested in is seeing what the Padres do with Juan Soto, right? If they ride it out, if they trade him and move him, um, and who that team is. Because I think there's a lot of teams out there that could use a big-time superstar bat, and who is that team that ponies up? So just what you're saying, you're telling me, you live in the city of Chicago, the White Sox could be – Coming with arms wide open. Yes, you can get Craig Council. Pedro Grafal is gone. Hey, listen, I, I, I don't think that was happening, Kratzy. I don't think they should, because if you have a manager of his caliber available, you a hundred percent should. Uh, I don't think that one's happening. They already that announced that Grafol is back for the White Sox anyway. And you know when well, a front here's office... My thing. Here's my thing, Scott. Like, the, the Padres said that Bob Melvin was coming back too. So I don't always take what... Russ, you just stole my joke. Out. That's where I was oh, going, obviously. Bad, I was bad, like, and bad. anything a front office member says about their manager <laughs> is true. obviously exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Like, no, I, I don't... Confidence. No, I don't, I don't think... Uh, that's going to happen here in town. One thing that could happen, like I, I, I know the idea of, of Juan Soto to the Cubs has been floated. It makes sense from the idea that the Cubs haven't had that superstar type of player. It's a team that has money to spend. And I know Soto would be looking for an extension. Will it happen? I don't know. I really don't know what the Cubs want to do in terms of additions, but it would kind of go in that trajectory that they're looking for. Like they made a lot of uh, strides this year. Didn't obviously get where they wanted to go, but it feels like they just, they need that aircraft carrier. They need that guy that kind of, you know, lifts the rest of that lineup. Uh, Pete Alonzo was a guy that was thrown out there a couple of months back. So I could kind I can, I can see it like as being a, a viable option for them. I just don't know if the Cubs pull the trigger on that. Yeah, that's a good one. And then going back to what you were saying about council and the manager situation, I think we can tie this back to the World Series. Do you know who the highest paid manager was from 2017 to 2019? Does anyone know? Mm-mm. Any guesses? Highest paid. 2019 was Madden. 2017 to 2019 was Bruce Bochy, six mil oh. a year. Oh. Bruce Bochy. And then obviously he took a few years off and comes back. I don't know what his current salary is. I'm sure it's probably not necessarily at that level, but it's probably a a hefty sum. It matters because obviously there was a lot on the transaction front of this team, but he brought an adult into the situation and Bruce Bochy, who's been there, who's one of the best in the biz to do this and and it helped. So I, I think generally speaking, it's actually one of those edges that a team can have where some of the teams, Russ, that don't spend a ton of money can actually make sure that they have their management tight 
right? Their front office, your manager, all of that is set up the way it should be. There's not drama. There's not an experience. There's connectivity with players, coaches, front office. That's way cheaper to get done than signing a half billion dollar infield, which some teams are just never going to do, right? Even if they can do it, they're going to act like they can't do it. And they're not, they're going to be like, listen, that's awesome for Texas. Wish we could do that. We could never do that. And that's why, you know, there's a lot of jealousy with the Padres, a lot of people that were rooting against them this year because they're like small market team. It's making us look bad. But I think managers, that easy position where you can be like, all right, I think we overcorrected here or whatever you want to call it. We went way too far the other way where we're trying to pay managers six figures and they're managing a bunch of dudes that are making so much more money than them. And they're very valuable parts of the team. So for me, that's where I think any team should be in the mix because if you think about it, it's like the cost of, it's not even the cost of a number five starter. I mean, it's like half the cost of a number five starter to get the top manager in the biz. Yeah. I, I look at, you know, we were talking about Craig Council. Look at what's happened in Milwaukee over the last day, right? Where, where you have a guy in Craig Council that you knew was going to be the manager every year. They had a front office led by David Stearns that you knew was going to be there, uh, which is why everybody connects him to the New York Mets. But Look down in Tampa with Kevin Cash and what he's been able to do down there with continuity. Look at Tori Lovello, right? A guy who was in Arizona the last time they were in the postseason in 2017. And the Diamondbacks said, hey, this is our guy. Like, there's been a lot, there have been a lot of teams who said, hey, we appreciate you getting us through the bad times. We're going to go in another direction. They said, no, Tori is our guy. And I think you could see that, why they made that decision, because I think Tori Lovello got every drop of production out of this team and good on them for identifying the guy that they wanted to lead this team into the next generation of really good D-backs baseball. So your point, Scott, I, I do think it's important. I think there's a way to marry the two of getting the guy that you think leads this team for the next five to seven years, but also saying, but we're going to show a commitment to spending in the marketplace because we want a manager that feels empowered and feels like we're going to do everything we can to bring them a World Series. Russ, World Series question for you. The ratings weren't good compared to what they were, okay? Even though yeah. relative, you got to keep looking at where we are in the present day and the competition that's there, not just from other sports. We've gone over this a lot, right? You're never going to have ratings from the 80s and 90s again. Cool, get it, right? Even looking more recently. Cubs is kind of a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Some of those curses that get broken. Yes, I get it. The Rangers hadn't won yet, but it just wasn't perceived the same way. Do you feel like in our sport, when we're at the biggest stage, there are storylines that often take over that kind of suck or are super negative? So World Series ratings, umpire missed calls from a couple games ago. Who was that? Alfonso Marquez, where that kind of yeah. dominated towards the end of that game, even though there were kind of some bad calls right away in that sequence that went both ways. But do you know what I'm saying? Where I, yeah. I mean, you you cover all sports, right? So do you feel like when we get to the NBA Finals, when we get to the Super Bowl, it's that same kind of whining and criticism? And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be talked about because it is real. And I like to talk about like, hey, why do we think less people are watching our game, especially if it's not like the you know big teams in the big markets? Just wanted to get your thoughts on the ratings and also why we always end up at this point. Like, is it fans and, and sports fans around us or... Is it that there's actually something legit to complain about? I think part of it is you have the people whose jobs it is to report on that, right? So your front office sports and sports business journal, et cetera, um, the, the, the post, 
right, with Andrew Marshan and all the great stuff he does over there reporting on sports media. It's awesome. You need all those different things. I think sometimes when you get the reporting on that, there's this uh, this wave of, ah, this is why baseball sucked and they're losing fans and X, Y, Z. Personally, and you got to know this, one, I'm watching the games regardless because not only is it my job, I love baseball. And no, this wasn't the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, Astros, Phillies, all these monster markets. But this was a great World Series to me. I really enjoyed the storylines on the Texas side. I enjoyed the storylines of a team with 84 wins that just got red hot at the right time, making it to the World Series. And I don't think that is that's not going to touch the casual fan. You know, those storylines and things that interest you or me or the guys like that's not going inter- to interest the, the people who are just watching baseball during October. And so is there something to be done by baseball sure i think there are always better ways for the sport to market itself market its players uh i think there's sometimes things at this point in the year where you have football going both college and uh professionally with the nfl that they're going to be unavoidable but maybe there is a conversation to be had what we had talked about last week of moving you know that last week of the the postseason where maybe it's moved up by a week if you could figure out how to schedule things around. So is there something to be done by baseball to help market better and maybe bump those numbers? Sure. But do I think it's an indictment of the games themselves? No, because I was thoroughly entertained. Russ, since you were entertained by that, I have to ask this before we let you go. Okay. Are the Bears going to cover the eight and a half this week in New Orleans or not? Because that's all I really want to know. Brother, you watched the same game I did. (laughs) I think think you know the answer to that. I think you know the answer to that. Is Fields – okay, so, I mean, I know you cover every sport. I know we're a baseball show. Baseball show. Wait, wait. I want to stop this narrative. Russ Dorsey is a baseball guy. I said that, but you cover every sport. Yes. But baseball guy. Go ahead. I know, but but you also live in Chicago. so I do. So, I, I mean, while we have you on, i got to ask these questions about I the Bears. Because as a Bears fan, Scott hates it, but I don't really care his opinion. Uh, the baseball show. <laughs> but just real quick, Fields, Justin Fields. Is he – I mean, they've been overhyping the other quarterback crazies. Like, are they trying to already watch Justin Fields out of the league and, and what the other guy? Because it may, nah, doesn't make any sense to me. It's nasty out here, AJ. It's nasty out here. You had a, the brother after one game. It didn't complete one – pass over 20 yards people are like oh get up get fields out of here we're done and i think there's this fatigue and you know you've been in a city with bad quarterback play where the backup quarterback just gets all this love and admiration because the best quarterback of the last 25 years is jay cutler so i just it's too much the kid is a great story sounds like he's a good kid out of d2 shepherd but let's stop let's stop it, it's it's nasty out here <laughs> Okay. Thank you, Russ. Now we can get back to baseball. Thank you. Thank very you. Much. I just have one more question before you go, and then okay. we're going to bring on Rowdy Telez. So I've read all about, and I didn't realize this, Mike Hazen being insanely superstitious. Like there's times where he's like sitting in a bathroom with music on during the ninth inning because he doesn't want to watch. And he's got all kinds of things that he thinks affects the way the game plays out. How does he not sign Will Smith? I listen, I think now that the Everybody knows about the Will Smith thing. I think he's going to 
It's a good offseason to be Will Smith. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> right? You got the, you gonna have all the, you're gonna have you're gonna have all the big boys in there. You're gonna have teams like the D-backs in there. The Phillies gonna be like, well, shoot, if we had a Will Smith, maybe we would have won game seven. So <laughs> it's a good, it's a good winner to be Will Smith. He is the clubhouse whisperer. We've had him on. Now we got to bring him back, AJ, because we got to ask him what he, there's got to be something. I don't even care about his arm or what he's doing. There's got to be something he's doing in the clubhouse. He's got some, some snack he's cooking for everyone. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out. He's got Rush. a good agent that puts him in the right spot. Don't forget. Yeah, who's that? I don't know, but his agent put put him with the Braves, the Astros, and the Rangers three years in a row. So his, his agent clearly picks good spots. Very popular dude. We need to bring him on and ask him that. Russ, enjoy the rest of your week, dude. We'll talk to you next week, all right? See you guys. Cheers. Okay, we got a few things to handle, starting with some uh, viral clips from the World Series. So your baseballer viral clips of the week are here for you. We're going to do one on the Diamondback side and one on the Rangers side. We'll start with Arizona, both of these fresh from the past 24 hours. Tori Lovello spoke, speaking after the game about the team. I felt that. I've been feeling that for the past month, maybe even the last couple of weeks of the regular season, that this this fan base was behind us and they were they were ready to go at every turn to um, to root us on, cheer us on, and allow something good to happen. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry I didn't do my job to get us there. Um, but I will. We all will. And um, we know they're out there. We love them. They can say what they want to us in the good times and the bad, but we know what, they're, what they want. They want a world championship as badly as we do. We all bleed Sudo. Hey, Curry, I'm just going to ask you the question that I get texted most, especially this whole series. Why did the Dodgers let you go? Uh, Other questions? We'll go to Evan. I don't have an answer. <laughs> Where's the, the first MVP trial? Wow. All right, so we got him back-to-back <laughs> there. Let's start with Corey because that one obviously got more attention, um, both from Baseballer there and some of the comments from people on the clip on the Baseballer on IG. What a horrible question. W reporter L Dodgers, clown question, bro. Who cares about the Dodgers right now? He was not in the budget. Awesome question. Shade to the Dodgers. So this might be um, – not a hot take, but uh, an unpopular take. I, I don't think it was a bad question. I mean, you don't start there, but I definitely don't think it deserved to be next question. It wasn't inappropriate by any means. Like, you were a superstar on a team. They didn't sign you. You know what I'm saying? Like, not do we have to sit in a post-game prep, press conference with someone who we rarely get access to? He doesn't do many interviews in general. He doesn't like them. He's a nice guy. He's just not comfortable in front of the camera. Is someone in their very, very spare time that they're allowed to actually talk to Corey Seager allowed to ask him, hey, you're you're top five hitter in the sport. Like, and and if he just says, hey, it's all good. I had a great time there. And now I'm pumped to win a World Series. It's over. But they made it more of a thing. Next question and making it awkward, AJ. Am I missing something? Like, yeah, sure. It's not the world's best question. But do you have, does everybody have to sit there and go, hey, how do you feel? How amazing is this? And he's going to go, oh, it's great. You know, I love my teammates. Like, boring. Well, too, too Two, two things. One, that's a clown question, bro, because you're talking about the Rangers. You want to ask him that away from everybody. You don't need to ask him that right after they won the World Series. Like, he's the last thing he's thinking about. And then two, did you hear who they called on right after? Our boy Evan Grant. They're like, okay, next question. Evan will ask something good. So here, Evan, why don't you ask him something that he'll care about? But 
I mean, listen, I just thought it was bad timing. If, I don't know if it was the first question Corey Seager was asked, but it, there's really no point in asking that. It's just more one of those questions that are like, I want to just make things super awkward right now. And whoever asked that question, you nailed it. Okay, but let me ask it to you. Like when you, let's say, you know, after you win the World Series, you're in the postgame presser, right? And six questions in, hey, let's take one from, from Braun. What's up? Hey, AJ, you were great on the Twins. Do you ever think, man, they should have kept me? What would your answer be? Right away. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they should have, but they fucked up and let me traded me. So that's their own fault. That's it. I mean, that's awesome. See, but that's here's it. the difference. But here's the difference. I'm I'm much more comfortable, and I was much more comfortable talking to people than Corey Seager is. Corey Seager is a really nice guy. I've talked to him, had many conversations with him when I do Ranger games. Hello to him. You know, we'll talk to him a little bit here and there. But he's not he's not that guy. He's not the guy that's going to throw himself out there. So you have to understand there has to be a feel for from the media who they're talking to too. You can't you can't ask Corey Seager the same question you ask Rowdy Telez because you're going to get completely different answers. One guy's going to shut it down, and one guy's going to tell you some crazy cockamamie story about him doing Pilates. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? <laughs> I know. I, I get it. I get. It. I just I don't think it should be like so so shunned. Like next question. Oh, I just thought it was great. Corey Seager's like, yeah, clown question, bro. Next. Didn't even he just like yeah you should have said that that would have been fun too you know I don't know it's not a big deal this is where I feel like our sport needs to lighten up Kratz like I mean not everybody knows exactly who talks well and who doesn't and what people's personalities are like I mean on, on this particular team like the faces of the team definitely don't love talking to the media that hurts the sport I hate to be a broken record on that front but Corey Seager I agree I've spoken to him quite a few times and I've done interviews with him he doesn't love doing them and it sucks because he's a great player and most people never will have that one-on-one -on -one interaction with him. And the way that they can connect with him is through interviews. That, that's where I feel like the disconnect is. That like there, there is a 12-year-old baseball player in some random city, not even in Texas, who's never going to get close to Corey Seager. And him hearing about Corey talk about the game or be fun and personable could link that fan to our sport forever. And maybe don't ask the question while guys are still sitting down at the podium. Like, if obviously I don't wasn't there, I don't know when that was asked, but there were still guys coming up to the podium. So maybe like that's something later, or maybe something that you ask. He was probably asked this before too. You know, but you don't get access, Kratz. That's true. Like, even talk to some reporters. I spoke to some that are at the World Series, and they said he's the hardest guy to get to. Then. Then it's the time, but not not as your first question or when guys are still settling in. Like, well, I don't know, but he was sitting already. You know how the the podium works. I, I'm not defending the question that much. Like, obviously, there was a clownness to it. Yeah, it was a while ago and all of that. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it was crazy. And the way those press conferences work, because I've been in freaking 500 of them. The dude sits down. He starts going, then they rotate another guy in, and then eventually one will leave and another will come down. So I wasn't there last night, so I don't know. But I don't think it was the very first question. It was it was something that, you know, he's he's just going to give the token answers. Like, you never see him do the post-home run interview with, with Verducci or with Ken. Um, you know, I think, shoot, he would have been – he would just might as well just mic them up. He would have been the post the post home run interview as many as he was hitting. Like you see the answers that he gives. Is that bad for the game? No, it's not bad for the game. 
it's not it's okay that Corey Seager puts Seager on the back of his jersey for Players Weekend. Like his personality is like that, and maybe and if you make him if you make him go outside of his comfort bubble, to me there's no there. There's no value in that. It would be like saying somebody that's super like eccentric and like always out there. Hey, hey, like settle down a little bit. Like you're you're too eccentric. Like no, like let his personality show. And if he if he's gonna give short answers, if he's always gonna say, you know, well, what was it like to win the MVP? Well, my team played really good together, and it's just a great great group of guys. Like that's okay because there's some. There's some very, you know, shy kids that like baseball too, and they may connect with that. They may connect with Corey Seager and how and how he interacts. Don't don't try to put him in a, a bubble of, well, he's a top five player in the game, so we need him and Mike Trout to put themselves out there more. Eh, not really. I don't think you do. I mean, the thing the thing is not necessarily all on the superstars. Let your personality shine, whether it's extremely awesome personality in in your opinion or a personality that's more vanilla yeah that's fine I, I think just still having accessibility is important you know I mean we want accessibility from owners in the sport too so I just think you know at least being there and even if you are kind of whatever you want to call it vulnerable and say hey listen I'm not great at this stuff you know I don't have the world's biggest personality I'm not the funniest dude in the clubhouse. I'm kind of quiet. Like, yeah, that resonates. Yeah, I think you could say it, but okay, that's fine. Um, AJ, did you have a thought? Otherwise, I just want to give a quick thought on on Labello. Yeah, we got you good, dude. Uh, I just said butter him up first. Ask him something to get him loosened up before yeah. you just, you know, take him to dinner first or something before you <laughs> go for the jugular. I mean, geez. There's a, t- uh, there's a technique, yes. yes I'm not totally absolutely. defending it. I'm also just saying, like, I, I just didn't think it was such a big deal that it should be, like, next question. You know, there there are some weird-ass questions that have been asked that, that you should move on from, you know. If they suddenly asked him about, like, news or politics or some weird-ass thing, like, that's when you move on. That's not the spot there. But to me, I didn't think it was that bad, but whatever. Um, and then on Lavello, I mean, he got emotional. My one thing is, I don't think he should be apologizing. Like, I, I, do you think that Tori Lavello did something wrong and the Diamondbacks would have won, or he probably didn't even totally mean it that way? Uh, I mean, it was it was clearly emotion, and yeah. I'm, I'm all about emotion. And you see, maybe that's the connection he has with his players. I don't think he was emotional about letting the fans down. I think probably in that moment he thinks about moves he should have made or the fact that they were super close to winning the world series and you know he's emotional about his his players and and what they're going through that i can see but sorry d-back fans i don't i don't know that and i don't know tori labello i don't know him at all but if he's getting emotional about the fans in arizona i don't know but he didn't do anything he didn't do anything wrong he he played the script out like he was told to play it out True. True. Listen, he, he he did the best he could with what he was given. And I think he was emotional because they lost, um, you know, saying, you know, he didn't get the job done. Well, you know, the manager can only do so much at some at a certain point, the players have to produce. And when you don't score runs and you don't make the pitches you need to make, you don't hit with runners in scoring position. It just happens. It was just bad timing. The, the, the Diamondbacks made it farther than anybody thought they would. And listen, Tori was emotional. It's right after the game. And when you catch people, you know, 
super competitive people at highly emotional times. You get you get raw answers, and he was being honest, and he feels for the fans. We all feel for the Diamondback fans, but someone has to win and someone has to lose, and you know maybe Tori Lavelle and the Diamondbacks get another chance soon. Yep, well said. We'll see what they do in the offseason too. I mean, like Ken mentioned the other day, they need some thump. They need a little more power in that lineup, and we'll see if that either comes from within or if they pick up a player like that. we got plenty of time to talk about it. So uh, hit up Baseballer on IG um, or at bsblr.com for more viral moments and some merch there as well on their front. We appreciate working with them all season on, on some of these standout quotes and you know fans running on the field, all that shit that we like to talk about and, and, and mix up with everyone and use their comments. So thanks for a great season to them. Let's move on to highlighting some individual players performance-wise, your MLB perfect inning 23. I'll call it like perfect players. And actually want to just go right back to the dude we were talking about, but on field. Corey Seager wins World Series MVP again. That doesn't happen very often. There's only one other position player. Let's see if I nail this. Kratz probably has it memorized. One other position player that won World Series MVP twice, which is Reggie Jackson. And then there were a couple others that were pitchers, Sandy Koufax, and who's the other one? He actually hit a homer too, but it was a pitcher, right-handed pitcher, Cardinals, Bob Bob Gibson. Gibson. Nice. Okay. And then Corey, of course, does it on two different teams, which is cool too. And then the one other thing that stands out to me about Corey Seager is his defense because he's a big dude. And I think we continue to keep this narrative going in the sport that if you are like the best athlete growing up in high school, but you're 6'4 and you move well and you've got pop, you can play shortstop. Corey Seager is an example of that. You know, Corey Seager, when you look at him, looks like a third baseman, but he can play shortstop. And his defense actually this year compared to last year was quite a bit better, not just from the metrics, but also when you talk to people that watched him every day. Obviously, I'm watching, I don't know, maybe a quarter of the Rangers games. This year, um, mixed in with a bunch of other games when you're watching at night. But many people around the Rangers were like, yo, his defense took another step, which is crazy. Great for him, you know? I mean, he's in his upper 20s, and he keeps getting better. He's good. He's a great player. He's a top five player in the sport right now, position player-wise. I mean, for me, defense, offense, homers, power, clutch moments. Uh, we had the argument about the uh, Players' Choice Awards that uh, – He could make an argument. He could be right there with Shohei as one of the best position players. So, listen, Corey Seager's a stud, and he just needs to get out there a little bit more and become a bigger star because he could be a a mega superstar. I think about about the fact that he made $68 million in the last two years, and you watch some of his interviews, and you're like, he's like, eh, whatever, eh, whatever. I just wonder what guy that makes – that's like has that personality, what he does with $68 million. I don't know why I thought of that. No, it's a good call. <laughs> Whatever he wants. That's <laughs> Whatever what he, he wants. Whatever he wants to do with it. Uh, I asked him once, actually. I'm like, what do you like to do for fun? And he said, hang out. <laughs> I, I, I will say this. He was the first guy I ever saw using the virtual reality stuff. Mm. I remember in Fenway. What, we were what in year Fenway was that? Park. Jeez. He was still with the Dodgers. So he, they were playing I think it was in like 2018, 19 it was before. Range. It was before the 2020 year. I know that. But he was, was. With, he was with the, rain, or the Dodgers. And in Fenway, you have to walk, and there's like part of the clubhouse that's kind of outside. So we walk into the visiting clubhouse, and he was out there with the goggles on, and he was taking swings. And I'm like, I looked at somebody, and I was like, what the hell is he doing? 
And they're like, oh, you haven't seen that? It's that new virtual reality thing where you can see pictures live. And I'm like, wait, what? And he was out there for a while. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. It works for him. So whatever works, Corey. And I can tell you, because I, I know the group well, we'll talk about them at another time, but the Dodgers ended up getting it for everybody on the team, especially during COVID. They were like, you can't see pitching, so let's do this instead. All right, on, on the video game front, back to MLB Perfect Inning 23 and highlighting more players from this past World Series um, in addition to Seager. So who else made a big name for themselves? Like, I'll give you one more name on my end. Gabriel Moreno looks like a star. I mean, for what he does behind the plate, he's super young. And you guys can talk to this way better than I can, so I'm barely going to say anything besides, I mean, he's got the hit tool. He looks like a 20-something home run bat. Um, not many flaws in his game. There's his 2023 stats. I mean, he hit 284 as a catcher, 339, low 400 slug, and wasn't supposed to be the everyday guy right from the jump because they had Carson Kelly, but he just took over, and now he looks like, a franchise catcher. And for me, I'm preaching to the choir here. I think it's the most important position to have to have a consistent contender is to have someone like this. Like to me, Kratz, there's about 10 catchers in the league that stand out for what they do behind the plate. And then most of them can at least provide some offense too, right? Maldonado is kind of in his own world because he hasn't really had the bat for years, but all the Astros always talk about how much of an impact he made. But Gabriel Moreno stands out. Obviously, Jonah Heim does in this series as well. But I think they've got themselves a star, and they completely ripped off the Toronto Blue Jays with that trade to get him and Lourdes Gurriel this year. I think Dalton Varsho is a really good player. But, yes, anytime – I don't care what you have to give up. If you get a starting catcher in the big leagues in his, essentially his first year – I know he was up last year with the Jays – you are – you're, you're coming out on top. And the stuff he does behind the plate, yes, he's going to have to be able to clean up some things. But every year that a that a catcher is in the game, the, every year the catcher is the starting catcher, his ability to make game calling, game decisions will only improve. And to me, that's that'll be the biggest thing is how does he – how does the coaching staff enable him to lead the staff? to lead the pitching staff for the rest of his six years while he's there. And I think he made a name for himself in this series. I had heard about him for since 2021. The catching coordinator with the Red Sox was talking all about this guy. He was unbelievable. They were just, you know, seeing him in double A, the stuff he could do. So I think he'll continue to improve too. I think Merrill Kelly made some people like turn their head. I think baseball fans knew who Merrill Kelly was. They knew he was the he was the second head of a two-headed monster down in Arizona, but he really he came he really came to life in this series and showed what a strike thrower he is, but also the fact that he can just go ahead and pump a 96-97 up there as we heard Max Muncie say when whenever he wants. So he made he made a huge name for himself that that is is going to bode well for him. Now, obviously he's not he's not a baby like Moreno, but this is this is a guy that to me his stuff and his ability to pitch could make him have a long career after he's 30 years old. I think he's 32 now, 30 maybe 33, but Anyway, like I think I think he's a he's another guy that came came to life on a huge stage here. Hey, AJ, I think you're gonna like this. So 
I'm a big Brent Strom fan. I know Kratz is. I know you've known him for years too, right? And he was at least 10 years ago at this point, just all about, hey, four seamers up in the zone. We got to promote it more, whatever, right? And then the whole league follows that for a while. The new thing that I've been told over the last year or so is, okay, guys are catching up to four seamers up here. Hitters are able to adjust to that. Let's also work two seamers at the top of the zone, right? And have multiple fastballs. No? Because I sinkers don't the sink. Diamondbacks did. There's what? I sinkers don't sink. No, not, not, not sinkers. It's called a seam shifted wake. It's a pitch that runs. It's to get the, it's to get the, what is it? It's, it's basically the difference. It's the guys that are throwing the sweeper to get more of that distance this way. than they're throwing that fought fastball that has no sink to it. It's running in on the hands. What is that? What is that word? I can't think of that word that, they call it. Basically, it's a bigger, it's the larger variance from slider to two seamer. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I got what, you. That's I, what I, that's I haven't, what heard, I haven't heard that, but there's an old saying, Scott, high sinkers don't sink, they go over the fence. I I think they're they're being mixed in though, because dudes are like, all right, four seamer up in the zone. I'm gonna train myself to um what this is what this was the Javier thing from the postseason in the ALCS, right? Like I'm going to train myself to to think a couple baseballs above, and so they're like, all right, well if we can get a, whatever you want to call it, Kratz, a, a two seamer, some different movement off your fastball at the top of the zone, that will then counter that approach. My and this is where I need you guys to help me out, but w- when I hear it from Brent Strom and from from you know pitching mechanic experts it makes sense i just don't know if i'm the guy to explain this but it made sense and and to me it just stood out because and we can show brandon fought too i mean he was on this list merrill kelly's on this list and you look and you're like oh look the diamondbacks are doing something a little bit different and who's behind that brent strom of course who you know he's one of the older coaches in the bigs now but you would think like he is this like new sharp analytical mind i mean he just in my mind, is one of the more valuable coaches in the bigs for a long time now. And I think he's a huge reason why the Diamondbacks were able to get this far with their game plans against offenses like Philadelphia and at least for the first couple games against the Rangers. Well, when you talk, have you read, you've read uh, Evan Drellick's book, uh, Winning Cures Everything, that book about the Astros? No, I gave it to you, so I haven't read it yet. Oh, you're bad. Uh, there's a whole lot about Brent Strom in there and how he was the one of the first guys to embrace analytics in the minor leagues for the Astros, and that's why they eventually promoted him to the big league pitching coach, was because of the way he embraced analytics and the way he was able to explain it to the players on the Astros, Garrett Cole, Verlander, Javier, whoever you want to say. And so that's why, and then when he lost, was let go by the Astros and went to Arizona, now he gets a whole new group of guys to explain some of these things. And you could see it in these games, especially now listen they didn't have a whole lot of success in the world series but you could see what they were trying to do and how they were trying to attack people you definitely saw it in the philadelphia series so listen great coaches are hard to find especially pitching coaches you get a great one you should stick with them and and keep them around look at mike maddox for the rangers he's been around forever he's bounced around to different teams he was with the rangers back when i was there and now he's back and he won a world series so great pitching coaches are really hard to find you should stick with them Mm mm-hmm Good call and, and good co- comment in the chat too about Gallon last night. I mean, they they switched up the game plan with him again too. Kratz, I mean, knuckle curve city, baby. I was working. It wasn't his fault that they lost. 
It's no. I mean, shoot, the no hitter got broken up on a ball off the cap that squibbed through the side, through the where the third baseman should have been. And that's to, to me, that's what we're talking about with Brent Strom. Yes. Okay. Brent Strom's going to, he's going to be able to delve into the analytics. He's going to be able to delve into what it takes to throw a pitch. But all it is, is people connecting with people. You watch Mike Maddox go out to the mound and, you know, we make fun of him. He puts his hand on his shoulder and then he holds his mustache and he goes up here like this and he's connecting with that pitcher. The people that we've been talking about in all of these situations, all of the, you know, good coaching hires, Chris Young, Bruce Bochy, Brent Strom, people that are coming in, they are connecting with people. If you want to be a coach in the big leagues that has success, or if you just want to coach in the big leagues, that's two different things. You're talking about, you know, some of these internet trolls that are getting jobs in baseball because of this like gimmick that they want to sell. Ultimately, you can sell whatever you want, but if you don't connect with the player, if you don't connect with these guys, you're going to get nothing out of them. And Brent Strom, whatever his, what I didn't see the interview you're talking about. If he's talking about, hey, you know what? We're going to run this fastball. We're going to use Fott's fastball. Run it hard in on guys to make that sweeper a larger variance so it's tougher for hitters to differentiate it. Then you know what? He's building that and catering that to Brandon Fott. He can't come in and say, okay, everybody, you need to throw the fastball top of the zone. And this is kind of what we talk about when we talk about organizations that have fallen behind in development. Everybody can't be the same person. And yes, you may have success at a certain level. You may have a success at a certain point, but you have to connect with the guy. If I am not a home run hitter and you're telling me I have to hit home runs to make it to the big leagues, then you're not connecting with the player. So that is that is the overarching key to making these coaches successful that are on winning teams year in and year out. That's a great call. That is that is exactly what's going on right now. There are some orgs that just tell everybody to do the same thing and try to mold the same player. And then there are some that treat everyone like an individual, which that that's a great call. It's very true, which we'll get into in the offseason a lot more. Uh, a quick step aside, check out what MLB Perfect Inning 23 is bringing to the mix. And then we've got something big to announce after that. Have a look. MLB Perfect Inning 23 is available to download for free. Scan the QR code on your screen or you can look it up wherever you get your uh, your games, your apps on your phone, say. Um, real-time PvP gameplay with your club members, various MLB legends. There's updated team unis and updated rosters and a whole lot more. Download MLB Perfect Inning 23. All right, so the big announcement, if you're new to the party here or you haven't been paying attention to what we've been going over as far as awards, is that we are going to find out the winners of the Players' Choice Awards. Tonight, we have the exclusive announcement show on the Foul Territory YouTube channel this evening, 7 o'clock Eastern. We'll be hustling. These guys are involved on some interviews. 
Uh, Todd Frazier is a part of the show. Adam Jones is on the show with myself. So it's going to be cool. And um, let's actually break down one of the categories right now. So your AL Players' Choice Award breakdown of Outstanding Pitcher Finalists sponsored by Candy Digital. Um, let's look at the candidates at the moment. Garrett Cole matching up against Sonny Gray. And Kyle Bradish makes this list too. And then we'll look at the National League pitchers in a moment. So I'm curious from you guys if you think that there will be a race for either side. And let's actually show the National League too so that you guys can kick around either either um, finalists. Justin Steele, Blake Snell, and Zach Gallen on the National League side. Do you think that this will be close in AL or NL at all? And if not, who do you think finishes in second? I know we went over that a little bit on the National League side. These are the two easiest awards to pick for me. Yeah. I mean, you got Snell and Cole. Whoever finished second, I mean, great for them, but it's Snell and Cole, and the rest are fighting for second place. So go ahead, say your line, your uh, Kyle Dagan Knights line. You ain't first or last, Ricky. <laughs> 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 I but, think it's cool that Kyle Bradish ends up on this list, and it, how many people know who he is yet? They will. I mean, will, players sure. know. Players know. Players are sitting there going, "Oh, dang." Remember that time we faced Kyle Bradish? I'm putting him down. Check. Sonny Gray. I love seeing Sonny Gray on this list. But for Kyle Bradish to get up on this list, it shows that his his stuff is, is what we, as baseball fans, we who watch the game a lot, know who Kyle Bradish is. And the players, the players, I think, to me, the players got it right. And I think he could, because of how nasty his stuff is, I think he could be he could be second on this list. And, and you know what? I mean, obviously this was a huge breakout season for him and only his second full season. Um, first off, he was the best pitcher with runners in scoring position and two outs. So there was that, whatever you want to call it, clutchness factor to him. Also, I'm looking at what changed because he's got quite a few pitches in the repertoire. As far as the fastball looks, he was mostly just four-seamer last year and he kind of split that usage between um, four seam and sinker. So a little bit of going off of what our last combo was not necessarily top of zone. I'm just saying, are you noticing AJ that more guys are kind of, um, instead of just being a four seam guy or, or a sinker guy, it's like almost everybody has a four seam, a two seam and a cutter, um, as part of their pitch mix. And then you move on to what their secondary stuff is. Well, you have to, you can use as Lance Lynn and one of our, our great guests here on foul territory, he used to throw a lot of fastballs, but he would throw one that went straight. One that went this way and one that went this way. And he would throw 100 pitches and throw 95 fastballs. People are like, how does Lance Lynn do it? And well, it was because he threw three different ones. It was boom, 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 and then shoo, shoot the one up. So it's been around for a while. It's just because we can quantify things with spin rates and angles and, and you know, uh, efficiency of spin and all these things with the way the Rapsodos and the, and the Acrotex and, the, and all these things that, that we use now. It's changed it, but these three pitches have always been around, and people have used them different ways. It's just become easier now with the tunneling and the in the visual and the analytics that we have to make pitchers say, "Hey, this is why it's effective. You need to do this." So I'm all for it. Listen, you, the best for me, the best pitch still in baseball, Scratch is strike one and a well located fastball. Fastball down and away. There's nobody that has a red area a hot zone down and away so if you can execute a fastball down and away you will have a lot of success to me mm -hmm. scott you said about clutchness with bradish and i know we're focusing a lot on bradish 
it's Cole's award. We shouldn't eliminate the fact that Cole is going to win this and he deserves it. And the Yankees are getting more than they, more than they bargained for when they got this contract with Cole, he is living up to it and more, but Bradish, it's not clutch to me. It's a guy that shows he can pitch. I think too many times pitchers come out and they're like, because this is how they got to the big leagues. This is how they got their scholarship to college. They got drafted because they throw a ball and they throw it really hard or they rip this really hard or they have an unbelievable split and they listen to coaches that are ill-informed about what happens at the big league level and how to have success. And they say, okay, your splitter's unbelievable. We got to see 80% of them. And three months later, they're in the bushes. And Bradish, when guys get on base, to me, it looks like, and this is why he piles up strikeouts on a very consistent basis, it looks like he kicks that into another gear. Kind of like when we talk about Evaldi. Kind of like I remember, I remember when facing you Darvish back in 14. Like it was like he would just kind of pitch, 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 pitch. Oh, it's a big spot right here in the game, guys on base. Yeah, maybe he went to too many breaking balls, but that's another <laughs> you know pitch selection. But his stuff was not the same when there was a runner on base. That is what I'm saying roundabout way with Bradish, that he can he can dial it up to the next level when he really needs it and get that punch out. And he's not just going pitch one, punch out. Oh, only strike one. No, next pitch, punch out. He's <laughs> able to pitch. Yeah, you got to set it up. I like that. Um, so if you want a little more controversy, though, and debate – in terms of who's going to win these awards tonight, there are some categories that I think will cause quite a bit of discussion. And I think that's going to culminate with who wins the you know top overall player award, the most outstanding player in all of baseball, which is between um, Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, and Ronald Acuna Jr. We talked about it a little on yesterday's show. We'll get into that on the Player's Choice Awards show tonight. 7 o'clock Eastern. AJ, I need you to stay awake at 7 to be able to watch this, mm, okay? Nope. On the Foul Territory YouTube channel. It's sponsored by Candy Digital. Yes, you're watching. I'll be in the chat, too, while it's going on so that we can talk to people. But we'll go over um, all of the winners, and we will talk to some of those winners as well. It's tonight. So if you're missing baseball and you're crying, um, we've got you covered right away. And also, shout out to Candy um, for sponsoring the show. It's your official destination for MLB digital collectibles. You can collect, buy, sell, and earn rewards like meet and greets with MLB stars. And, and there's game-used gear, signed memorabilia, and a free team pack for you if you go to go.candy.com slash pack. That's just for the foul territory fam. Go dot candy.com slash pack and when i say foul territory fam like anybody watching or listening to the show even if you don't like us you can still go to go.candy.com slash pack or use the qr code on your screen and we'll put the link in the show notes on the uh, podcast as well aj you've been staying up late for a while you're gonna catch up on sleep this weekend dude oh bro listen these post game shows were fun <laughs> but midnight 1 a.m then up at six with the children takes its toll on, you know, us, those people that aren't used to it. You know, I need I know. my eight hours. You, you deserve a break, dude. A little golf course, cold, cold beverage, whole deal. I know you'll get that going. Um, by the way, we're going to be in Atlantic City for tomorrow's show. And by we, I mean not AJ, not invited to Jersey. But Kratz, myself, Todd Father, Todd Frazier will be there at Borgata, 1 o'clock Eastern time. Let's slap hands and go over the rest of the stuff we're looking forward to. Ball.
Can't change the call. You can challenge. Challenge system coming soon. Uh, <laughs> exactly. 2025. 2025. Kratz, what do you got? What are you wearing? Is that a is that a baseball hat? I thought I had ran out of hats that actually fit my head. It's a 2018 postseason hat, so I guess it's the end of the season. I'm out of hats. This was the last one? I don't know. I have some that, like I said, I don't that don't fit. And <laughs> that don't fit and because the snapback, the snapback is all janky. I have a couple, I have a couple others that are. I don't really feel like wearing like a, like a pirates, this one pirates, little Velcro back here. Wow. Looks like a master's hat or something. Yeah. It's tragic. Yeah. Well, good dude. You had a good run and the season is over. And a reminder to everyone, we are here every day, one o'clock Eastern. We're not going to three every day, but we'll be here. We'll cover all the big signings, trades, talk to players in the off season about what the hell they're doing, what their Pilates class is like and whatever else is going on. So um, am I the only can... one that's still amazed that Rowdy's doing Pilates? I, I know, but like Pil- Rowdy, I'm, I'm amazed that you're doing Pilates. He's Dude, I've done them for years, bro. I've done Pilates for years. Well, that's know. still amazing. And I am how super not flexible. I am super not flexible. I want to go to a class. Is there, you, you go to a, a good class in Orlando. Is it, is it a private one-on-one session like Rowdy or are there? Oh. Other humans? Yeah, it's one on one. There are not anyone else in there. <laughs> so you're so you're so you're proud of it, but you're not doing Pilates in front of anybody. Yeah, I mean in front of the coach. That's it. You get you get one on one. What's your favorite Pilates move? Are you are you doing the like slide on the board thing where you're and touching your oh, toe? Yeah. Because Corey Cooper no. was the greatest Pilates person I've ever seen. I mean, I'm not very great at it. My favorite move is Probably when you do like the leg circles, you have your feet in the little loops and do circles with them. Oh man, it hurts so good. As the <laughs> cougar once said. All right. Lastly, something that AJ does really well that we have an instant replay for is right before the show starts, having an unfortunate water accident. I mean, the uh, cap is on. The cap wow. was on. <laughs> no, that's, all that, that's all those Pilates. I mean, the cap was on. I was like, oh, man. But what you guys didn't get is when when Matt, our intern here, he spilt my coffee. So I was trying to coffee on my water bottle. So then I was trying to clean the – but I can't believe the cap was on. That's why I was like, oh, I can squeeze it hard. But, man, you know what? Look at this. You just don't know Pilates. your own strength sometimes. I mean, hair Look box. That. Look at that. You just don't know your own strength. Bow! <laughs> You're going to be bashing – Bashing those putts tomorrow on the golf course. Oh, man. You're going to have an 89. <laughs> Eddie in the chat goes, second hour of FT in the offseason is just AJ doing Pilates. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't want to see that. Because I can't even, like, the, the poor lady's, like, straighten your legs. I'm like, dude, my legs don't straighten at all. <laughs> AJ going live on FT YouTube one day for a Pilates class, like a virtual Pilates class, AJ and Rowdy Telez. If, if you're here for it, and you're watching or listening to this afterward comment if we get enough of them then we'll try and set it up we'll see everyone on the players choice award show in about four hours from now seven o'clock eastern time thanks everyone for an awesome season the ft fan behind the scenes crushing it we'll give them a big thank you uh in atlantic city tomorrow too and we'll see most of you on a friday for ft live later stay flexible
Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.